0: Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert. Today I'm here with my most amazing and somewhat beat up co-host, Dr. Millicent Ravello. How are you doing, Dr. Ravello?
1: I'm doing okay. I am a little beat up. A little bit. A little bit, like like physically, emotionally, mentally. I'm just, you know, I'm taking one for the team you, these days.
0: You've been through it. <laughs> 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 like it's just been a, it's been a whirlwind tour of like all kinds of stuff and you had big surgery yesterday
1: big surgery and a big surgery tomorrow but that's okay that's right because we are showing up today to do this 101 podcast
0: this is a one in our ongoing 101 series which i think has been very good and very much appreciated by our our patients and our listeners and other plastic surgeons this is revision rhinoplasty 101
1: It's what it comes down to. It's literally what you do every single day. And we're going to, I know this is going to be hard for you because this is like your deal. We're going to keep it to the basics.
0: I am. I, You know, and I, interestingly, I just gave a lecture that I'm I'm not going to Mexico to give this lecture. I recorded my 30 minute lecture for the uh, Mexican society meeting in Guadalajara um, after Somebody got killed from Newport Beach. There, my wife was like, "You can't go to Mexico." Nope, so, nope. You're gonna you're
1: gonna video that one <laughs>
0: like, in. <laughs> you say, you're gonna have to phone that one in. And I called them. They're like, "We don't blame you. You shouldn't come. It's dangerous here." So I was like, "Okay." Um, but yeah, we are going to talk about revision rhinoplasty, which is very different than primary rhinoplasty. And just to define mm-hmm. it for our listeners, primary rhinoplasty, the first rhinoplasty. I've never had rhinoplasty before. Hopefully, your first and last rhinoplasty is known as the primary rhinoplasty. Should you be one of the 15% national average, all comers, 15% people that require revision rhinoplasty, then you fall into the category of a revision patient. And this is now a completely different operation and should be handled either by the operating surgeon who did your your primary or a revision specialist.
1: A thousand percent agree. I liken it you know, to revision breast surgery, your revision surgery for your implant swap out 20 years after they were placed, much different than your first go around. A lot more work usually has to be done and that's sort of the nature of the deal. So revision rhinoplasty is a whole different beast.
0: And it starts with, I I think really the thing that leads people to revision.
1: Yeah, let's let's talk about that. What are the reasons you would have a revision?
0: It's dissatisfaction of some sort with the primary rhinoplasty. It 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 it's a patient-driven issue that they look and they go, eh, "What yeah. happened? I don't I don't I don't. This like isn't it. what I had in mind. Right? I don't like the result, or I can't breathe. Something isn't right with the first operation that then leads them to explore revision rhinoplasty."
1: Right. It's not that like all of a sudden they decided they just want a different look. It's that something happened in the first one that even if it was a great rhinoplasty isn't right for them.
0: Right. And it can be something. Let's start with the aesthetic, with the look of it. Uh, It's crooked. The tip is not what I had in mind, it doesn't make me look better than I did before. That's half the reason people have these rhinoplasties is because they want to look better. They want a nose that's more attractive and that enhances their look, whether it's male or female, that's why people sign up. And you know, there's a lot that goes into getting a rhinoplasty that enhances your looks that, that the the nose itself, really shouldn't be the focal point of your face. The reason right. to get the operation on your nose is so you see the eyes and the rest of your face. If the nose is the focal point, there's usually an issue.
1: Right, that's it's not, I mean, which is ironic because it's literally smack dab in the middle of your face. But that being said, you I think that is a very astute observation that even though you do all this work on people's noses, you don't actually want people looking at their nose you want them to see their their mouth and their eyes and their facial expressions right and what you don't want is a nose that detracts from that
0: yeah you don't want something that you don't want to call attention to the problems with your nose and so you're operating on the nose so that it blends in and harmonizes with your face and enhances the look of the eyes the brow whatever else that's there you want it all to kind of come together and the rhinoplasty that I do for say the 16 year old female who has dark hair and is tall versus the 23 year old, uh, sort of native, uh, Central American mestizo nose is different from what I do, like, it's all different, it's all different, right? And and so, you want to. You want to have that primary rhinoplasty, enhance your looks, and if it doesn't, that's when I see people coming in, and sometimes they can't even tell me what's wrong with their nose. They'll be like, I just don't like it. You just don't like it. It which didn't is, work. Which
1: is fair. That's a very, that's okay to say. Right. And so there's the aesthetic issues, which I think is probably number one for the reasons people come in, right. but then there's also functional issues.
0: Sure. You can't breathe afterwards. Right. A lot of times you're taking a big nose and making it smaller. You made the nose smaller, the airway smaller, breathing problems can result.
1: Right. And so when you're talking about revision rhinoplasty, this could be the second revision they've had or second surgery. It could be the third or the fourth or the fifth or the sixth. And each degree or each additional surgery is usually just adds that much additional layer of complexity and issues with the revision surgery. But there is definitely a scale of most um, or least invasive kind of revision rhinoplasty to the most aggressive revision rhinoplasty, right?
0: Of course. There's, it's all on a spectrum. Sometimes I see patients, let's say they come in with what's called parentheses deformity. Too much cartilage was taken out of their lower lateral cartilages and their tip looks like it has parentheses around the, the tip defining points. Well, that might be as easy as if they say, well, I really like everything else. I just don't like how pinched it looks. Well, maybe sliding in some lateral curl strut grafts or something that could be done in a endonasal or closed fashion. And the rest of it's all good. That's pretty much rare. I was
1: going to say, how often does that happen?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because typically the operating surgeon can identify that and take care of it. And that's why I'm really clear about that. I want patients to know that if you can go back to the surgeon that did your surgery, then do that. They typically won't charge a surgeon's fee. You'll have to pay the OR and the anesthesia fees, which is fair because, you know, again, when you sign up for a rhinoplasty, you're signing up for an operation that has a built-in 15% revision rate. It's, it's part of the deal. Yeah, we can't control this operation as well as we'd like to and therefore you have to accept that and which is why when patients come into my practice They get a copy of the revision policy that says should you need revision surgery? Dr. Calvert's happy to help you with it. You pay the OR and the anesthesia fees He will not charge a surgeon fee right uh, uh, and a, unless we discuss like a staged approach or something like that. It's very different, but um, This is why that happens so typically though the revision is I see an inverted V deformity, in other words, where the cartilage and the bones meet is kind of collapsed in. It looks like there's a shadow of a V across, you know, upside down V over your bones and cartilage. You see collapse at the on the sidewalls. You know, the tip isn't in the right position. It might be droopy. It might be crooked. This is the typical revision patient where it wasn't a good nose job. the The right. operating surgeon initially didn't anticipate all the issues that were going to come up. Didn't make plans for grafting or stabilization of the structures, and lo and behold, you got a wonky nose job that needs to be revised.
1: And typically, at least in your hands, that includes a rib.
0: I do love rib yes. cartilage. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, the, I'm gonna get ribs tattooed onto my ribs just so I could show which ribs I like the most. And number uh, them. It's true, yeah, number them and show them. Here's where you make the incision for an eighth rib cartilage, here's where you get the seventh, here's where you get the sixth. Yeah, I mean, typically I like rib cartilage because I want something reliable, but if the patient's over 55 years old, I start thinking maybe this is gonna be calcified, which a lot of times it is. Sometimes it's okay and then you have to look to cadaver rib or ear cartilage or something else. There's a lot of ways to do it. I don't, you know, say it has to be rib cartilage to anybody that's doing it. I just personally have been very successful with rib cartilage as the material for building new noses, and that's for a few reasons. Number 1, it's strong. Number 2, it can resist the contractile forces of the soft tissue envelope of the nose that has been previously operated.
1: Right. Because that soft tissue and that contracture that happens on a nose that's already had a surgery is intense. I mean, it really wants to scar down and warp and twist. So you need something super sturdy underneath it to hold it in place. And the reason you usually have to go to the rib is because if they've already had a rhinoplasty, chances are their septum has been taken. So usually in a primary rhinoplasty, the septum is the donor site of choice for any kind of grafts that you need that's usually taken at the time of the primary rhinoplasty and so that's not an option so you have to look elsewhere for these graft options
0: and you know it's interesting though the even if there is septum i still like rib (laughs) i I gotta say that the septum isn't as awesome as i'd like it to be in a revision situation and it's definitely
1: it's definitely thinner more flimsy for sure
0: yeah and i just you know I talk about this a lot with a lot of different rhinoplasty surgeons, you know, I'm past president of the rhinoplasty society. I'm, you know, speaking at the global masters meeting in, in Berlin and, and I've gone to the Bergamo meeting like a bazillion times. We all talk about it and it's like, so I'll listen, but I don't know why you want to try to get away with it with septal cartilage. Why do you not just want to like, if you know, that you need something strong. You know, there's plenty of uh, ribs, plenty of you know,
1: them. That's, the rib harvest in itself, you know, oh is, no. a, is a skilled technique that unless you're doing it all the time, every 75 day. 75 times a year. 75 times a year. <laughs> you know, that, that can be a challenging aspect for some people. So I could see why maybe they wouldn't want to. But I think anybody that has a robust revision rhinoplasty practice is probably fairly adept at harvesting a rib
0: yeah i mean once you once you learn it it's you know it's twenty thirty minutes at the most and and it's it's but just in, better
1: it's just but in the but you have to get patients to sign up for it, which for the most part they do, but you kind of have to be like. So now I'm going to go make an incision, you know, on your abdomen, on your chest wall. And I'm going to take some of your rib, and that's a little off-putting to patients. They're like, "But I just, I just came in for my nose. Like, why are you cutting on my stomach?" So, but I mean, it's small. It's like a three-centimeter, two-three-centimeter incision. It's not that big. It usually heals just fine. A um, little bit of extra pain at that donor site, but it's not incapacitating by any means. But that's not the only thing that's different about the recovery of a rhinoplasty. So if you're having a primary rhinoplasty, you know, you have your splints in, you have your cast on your nose for a week, you might have some bruising, some swelling. But once that cast comes off, swelling comes down in a few weeks, you're walking out about in public in a couple of weeks and like, you know, high five, everything, hopefully, 85% of the time has gone okay. But it's not that way with a revision, is it?
0: No, and this is where, you know, we, there is another version of this podcast previously and this is the updated version yes. but I'm I'm going to make good on what I said in the last one is that if you can avoid having a revision rhinoplasty <laughs> you should do that because the process kind of sucks mm. it's there's swelling that's a little bit more aggressive it takes longer for the nose to look right and it's just it's a process that if you don't have to go through it best to not then then don't yeah. but if if you need the revision fine then do it but get a revision expert plan on it being kind of you know a process as opposed to the primary rhinoplasty which is you go in you get your nose job and then like you start healing from it i mean right. it's not you know in 2 or 3 weeks you're kind of like eh, okay, no i'm getting next, through it yeah. yeah but with a revision it's front and center literally on your face probably for 4 or 5 months
1: yeah and and you're going to be looking at it and it's going to be a potato and you're going to be calling your surgeon every week What's wrong with my nose? What did you do to it? And he's going to tell you, it's swelling, it's swelling, it's swelling. <laughs> and But it's true. It's going to take a while for that nose to come in. So you just got to really be able to, to sit with that.
0: That's true. As my German friends called it, it is a karteffanasse.
1: Karteffanasse.
0: Karteffanasse, which means potato nose. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. It's so not it good. That is
1: an accurate description for yeah, a little I while. Yeah, I remember
0: saying that and... Uh, I forget who was here. One of the, one of the guys from Stuttgart, and he was like, "Ah, oh, it is a potato nose, Kartoffelnase." <laughs> I was like, "I like that. I will, that's my one German phrase,
1: Kartoffelnase." Yeah.
0: So, yeah, and that's why you have to say it because for like a month, it's a potato nose. It's it, it, yeah. in, in, there are some cases it's not. So I don't want to like just blanket everybody with like you're screwed. You're not. If you're making the nose bigger then usually the swelling is not as extensive. So if your nose was crunched and made tiny and you're trying to make it bigger, which I am suspecting will be a wave of revisions coming my way out of the Middle East in the next five to 10 Mm. years when people realize their nose has been over-reduced and they can't breathe and it looks ridiculous because most people don't want to look like Tinkerbell. Um, (laughs) I do. (laughs) But but I've seen that. She's adorable. (laughs) She is adorable. But she has that little nub.
1: I know, she does.
0: You know, she's got that little thing (laughs) and then like nothing else. Um, And in fact, I saw that as a hashtag on somebody's Instagram. Hashtag Tinkerbell Ooh. I know. And by the way, they weren't joking. Yikes. So that that has no place to go but larger. You know, so if that patient wakes up one day and goes like, I shouldn't look like a cartoon character. <laughs> I need a nose back. Then yeah, then when you build the nose up, it doesn't swell as much. So that is true. If you're uh, you know, if you're doing endonasal revision rhinoplasty, which I do a lot, I do a lot of complex revision endonasal, way more than I do primary rhinoplasty. I would say probably 60% of my revisions are open and 40% are, are closed. And with my primaries, I'd say 95% are open and 5% are closed. But it's just that I can do a lot of things endonasally. If the tip is okay on a revision, then I can do everything else from the inside and that that makes a big difference in the swelling.
1: For sure, huge difference. So definitely it's gonna be a longer recovery, a longer time to get those results that you're looking for. Definitely gonna be more expensive. That's the name of the game there. Yeah, sorry.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know any place in the country where there's a cheap revision.
1: And buyer beware. If you're getting a quote for a cheap revision, really think twice about who's doing that for you because... There are a lot of surgeons that can do great rhinoplasties. There is a smaller number that is skilled in a revision rhinoplasty practice. And those are typically not going to be discount rhinoplasty surgeons. So if someone tells you that they can do a revision rhinoplasty, like a full overhaul revision rhinoplasty for less than you know $12,000, $15,000, just look a little bit closer at, at who you're choosing.
0: Yeah, I think the cheapest revision that I've heard of in the Los Angeles area it was about $19,000 for a revision rhinoplasty. Yeah. But most are 25, 30, 35,000 depending on where you are. Um, in Chicago, I know that uh, it's 35,000. I know that, uh, and again, these are in 2023 prices. If you're listening to this podcast in 2027, it's probably double, um, but. Uh, <laughs>
1: inflation's a bitch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this rhinoplasty will be $100,000. But yeah, it's it's expensive. Whereas like the primary rhinoplasty is probably the average average price right now around Beverly Hills is probably fifteen to yeah. $17,000. So the re- average p- price for a revision is probably around $27,000, 30000 And that includes a rib graft and the OR and the anesthesia and all that stuff. But it can be more. Certainly. It depends on the level of complexity. Um, it can be staged, which I do a fair amount where I'm gonna fat graft this nose first then come back and do the rhinoplasty, that, that isn't that's not cheap either. And so this stuff does cost money. And will your insurance pay? Well you gotta talk to them about mm. that. If you have airway problems, maybe, but I, I don't bill insurance so it has to be, you know, that's on right. the patient.
1: <clears throat> and uh, I would say probably most most revision rhinoplasty specialists, at least in this area, don't take insurance. No, either. it doesn't pay anything. Exactly.
0: So yeah, I mean the cost is higher. If you're doing a staged approach each operation is going to cost separately. Um, whether you can get insurance approval, that's on you. Uh, but the reality is, is that if you if you can live with the nose you have, do it. If you can't and you need it changed, then fine. Come in. Let's talk about a revision. We'll work on it. Find, if it's not me, find somebody who is a skilled revision rhinoplasty specialist. Yes. It is not, not for the... The guy who just finished his residency who's, you know, able to, to, you know, fit you in and it, that's not a good idea.
1: No, I think if there's one take home lesson of this one oh one podcast, it's do your homework and find that revision rhinoplasty specialist. This is not the time to go bargain shopping. This is not the time to see, you know, who in your area may or may not be able to do this, you know, for a given price because The last thing you want is to have a third rhinoplasty. So if the first one wasn't right, really, 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 really do your homework and make sure that the second person is someone that knows how to do a revision rhinoplasty.
0: Yeah. And your complications of this operation are those the same as sort of rhinoplasty, but there can be more skin issues. You know, the vascularity of the skin can be more of an issue. Infection rate is higher. Yep. in my hands and in a paper that's coming out from uh australia and korea the re- the infection rate is two to three percent whereas with primary rhinoplasty it's like less than one percent right but with with revision rhinoplasty infection rates are higher you have to pay attention antibiotics have to be on as soon as you can and then of course the biggest problem if you got a bad airway to start you might have a bad airway after if you got Ugly skin before you might have ugly skin after you're
1: definitely gonna have ugly skin yeah, after it's,
0: it's just part of the deal yeah. You have to understand that there are only some there's only so much you can do but With the right planning and the right structural approach and the right materials You know you can you know, we make some pretty amazing changes for people that that's for sure I have, yeah, a, I no have a, the reason I have a revision rhinoplasty practice is because I've been able to help a lot of people and I've done thousands of revision rhinoplasties and it is, you know, really a—it's a labor of love, but it's also it's a it's a project-based approach, and that's just a huge thing to remember when you're when you're going in to talk about revision rhinoplasty.
1: A thousand percent, yes.
0: Well, I think that's enough for our one hundred and one. Our one hundred and one. Yes. We can get get into the weeds in the next <laughs> one, but I hope we've you know provided some some good information for those of you thinking about revisions. I'd go back and listen to the rib podcast our previous revision rhinoplasty podcast definitely all the stuff about dice cartilage and fascia the there's 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 just a lot on of information ab- about this and it's all on our youtube channel and in our in our podcast but for now do you have something else
1: oh cuz so there's also a post op rhinoplasty instruction
0: yes that podcast. that's a very good podcast good yeah because yeah. that get, helps you get ready for what's going to happen after how to like right you know what you need the the decongestants, the nasal sprays, the get a, you know, three pillows to sleep on. You need all that. Yes. Cool. But for now, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself,